Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for Notice in the parable Jesus uses, he says, the landowner planted the vineyard, he put a wall around it, he dug wine press in it, he built a watchtower. So he did everything. God built a protecting wall, he pulled a watchtower there against thief, and he says, when you produce fruit, I'm going to have everything for you there. So God gave these workers everything they needed to produce fruit. Now remember, we're a vineyard. God gave us everything we need to produce fruit, just like he did the nation of Israel. Do you believe today that you are well-equipped with everything you need to live a quality, successful life as a follower of Christ? Today, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that God has not failed to empower his people or show mercy when we were least deserving. Throughout history, the Lord has prepared an eternal home for us and displayed his goodness despite man's unfaithfulness. However, God does expect to see a return on his investment. Can you with confidence say that you've taken the Lord's gifts and put them to practice in the best ways possible that you might yield spiritual fruit? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark as he begins his message entitled, God's Kindness to Man. We're going to be looking at three passages in the scripture today. Three. First one you're going to turn to is Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 5, Old Testament. The next passage is going to be Matthew chapter 21. And then four books back from Matthew, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4. Isaiah 5, Matthew 21. In Acts 4. How do most people perceive God? If you went out on the street and you said to people, well, what do you think of God? What is God's character? What do you think God thinks of you? What would the response of people be? What role does God have in your life this morning? Is there a role? Maybe you think, well, Pastor Mark, I mean, God doesn't, he's, his hand is on the, not on the mouse of my life. He doesn't have anything to do with me. I don't have anything to do with him. He's a God who created the earth and just went, have a nice life. No, that's not true. But many people have this perception that if they're going to serve God or have any kind of relationship with God, it's going to be very difficult because God's a hard God to please actually impossible to obey. And as you saw on the screen, well, he's difficult to serve. And Pastor Mark, very often, I'm just simply frustrated and exhausted trying to please God. Well, that's totally wrong. 
But see, the world in general is clueless about who God is. Understand today, much of our world worships plants, figures, statues. There's many people in India today that worship rats or cows. So when we say God, they're clueless. By the way, in the United States, most people today are clueless about God and his character. And one of the great things you're going to see in our passage that Jesus teaches is we have the responsibility to tell people what God's like and how he wants to have a relationship. On the overhead here and in Vieira, you see Romans chapter 2. You don't need to turn there. Here's what Paul, who was in a, in a, well, in a city, Rome, that's filled with pagans. And he says this. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Well, the answer would be from these pagans, no, they didn't see that. Because the gods they served were dead gods. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is one main reason to turn you from your sin. God's kindness is to lead us toward repentance. And repentance establishes a relationship with him. Three words I want you to work with me on today. The nature of God. Number one, he's kind. Acts 14 says, friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things to Well, to the living God, who made heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own way, but he never left them without evidence of himself and goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops. He gives you food and joyful hearts. In Vieira and in Melbourne, say with me this morning, God is kind. God is God is kind. Well, the scripture says he's not only kind, but he's tolerant. You see, God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. What if we served a God today that if you sinned, the next moment, it's all over? How many of you would be here this morning? Anybody here think you'd be here this morning? No. The only one that would be here would be me, because I'm sinless. Careful, 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 careful. No, we know that there would be what? None of us here. But he's tolerant. So God is kind, but say it with me. God is tolerant. He's tolerant. He's tolerant. But there's a third thing. God is patient. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you experienced God's patience with you this week? Ooh. Yeah. Probably I didn't show that to my wife or husband like I should have, but God showed it to me. Say with me, God is patient. God is patient. So God is kind, God is tolerant, and God is patient. Now, does the world know that? No, they do not know that. How are they going to know that? We have to tell them. God doesn't run a, you know, you go out this afternoon, you go out to the beach, and there's a little plane with a banner behind it. God is patient, kind, and tolerant, says God. 
It's a God plane. No, he does that because you and I are supposed to proclaim his goodness to the world. Well, why is God kind and patient and tolerant? Well, that's because he loves us. And he postpones this judgment that should come because he's just with one purpose, so that you and I would repent. In our parable today, Jesus is going to remind people, and especially the Jewish leaders, that he's kind and he's tolerant and he's patient. Now, as you look at Isaiah 5, if you will, turn with me there to Isaiah chapter 5. Old Testament, thanks for turning there, that's good. Just look at me, here's something very important. Vieira saying, we're going to read the word vineyard this morning. Now, if we lived out in San Francisco, that would like have a lot more meeting, or Italy, you know, Ole, whatever. But a vineyard is very important. The vineyard we're going to talk about first is the nation of Israel was a vineyard, and God placed them to make an impact on the world. Then we're going to go with that vineyard, and we're going to go to New Testament times. As we begin Isaiah, we're about 700 years before the time of Christ, where you've turned this morning. Then we're going to go to the time of Christ. And then finally... You and I are going to be a vineyard. Actually, we are a vineyard. God has planted you, if you're a Christ follower, in his vineyard. What does that have to do with me? So don't get lost as we go through these two parables, because it has great application. Initially, it's for the Israel, the nation of Israel, Jews, but then it's going to be transferred to us as we go. Look at Isaiah chapter 5. God speaking, verse 1. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. So it's God's vineyard. My loved one, God, had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of of good grapes, but it only yielded bad fruit. So this passage in Isaiah is talking about God made the nation of Israel, and he did it for a purpose. He did it so... Israel would be salt and light and tell the world. He just one day just came to a a guy by Abraham and said, okay, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of a nation that I'm going to create. And it's not because I don't love other people. In fact, it is because I love the whole world. And I want you to tell the whole world, which basically in those times were all pagans, that there's one true God. And the fruit that was to come from Israel, notice, God did it all In in an allegory he cleaned the ground, he took the rocks off, he put the choice vines in, he gave the sun, the moon, gave and then he said to him, I expect good things from you. Go and tell the world. Well, he could tell him maybe three things. We might have learned three things this morning. Go and tell the world that I am, let's see, kind and tolerant and patient. And that was a starting point. Because, I mean, could you worship this vase this morning and think it's kind and tolerant and patient? No, it's Hello? It can't respond to you. has no ears, can't respond, can't love. Well, that's what God wants. Well, read on. Notice, they didn't do well. They, they actually started worshiping pagans themselves. So verse 3 says, Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and men of Judah, speaking of Judah in Israel in the Old Testament, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I've done for it? When I look for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do with my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, protection, it will be destroyed. I'll break down its wall, protection again. In other words, a wall kept the enemy out. What's this a picture of? Israel 
because they disobeyed God, didn't honor God, Israel would go into captivity. The northern nation of Israel would basically never, ever be again. The southern nation would go into captivity 70 years and then come back. And God says, because you didn't do what I asked you to do, I can't use you. You gave me bad fruit. Notice verse six, I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. So you went, when you went to Jerusalem, after they went into captivity in Babylon and Assyria, Jerusalem was thorns. It was gone. All the work, all those years, the beautiful things, the fruit and things that came out of Israel was nothing. So it was a picture, not only a practical kind of things, but it was a picture spiritually what was happened. So what the prophet Isaiah, who is a prophet here, says, he's saying, I'm going, God's going to come and pretty soon the northern kingdom is going to go into Syria, the southern kingdom is going to Babylon, and Israel as a nation will never be powerful like it was before. Why? Because they didn't fulfill what God wanted. What does he want? He wants the world to know who he is. And how good a God he is. Now turn with me quickly to Matthew chapter 21. And as I read this first verse, you tell me this morning if you think anything sounds familiar. Matthew 21 down to verse 33. Listen to another parable. This is Jesus speaking 700 years later. Jesus says this. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it. Dug a wine press in it. Built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. Sound familiar? What was Jesus doing? He is alluding to Isaiah 5 that we just read. Now, notice who he's going to give this parable to. Jewish leaders. Jewish leaders that studied the Old Testament. Would they know the parable of Isaiah 5? Absolutely. So he's going to allude it, but he's not going to talk about the old days. He's going to say to the Jewish nation 700 years later and the Jewish leaders, God's a patient God. He's going to give you a chance to repent because you still do not produce good fruit. You're dead religion. You're ignoring me. And if you, in fact, he's going to say in the parable in a couple of days, you're going to kill me. And so he gives them a second chance. Why? Because God is patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Now, Jesus had been saying for many months that he was going to go and be killed by the religious leaders. Here he's telling them the same truth, but with a parable. Let's identify the characters so you'll keep track as we go through. In this parable we're talking about, the landowner is God. The one that owns the vineyard is God. The farmers that are in this particular parable are the Jewish religious leaders. The vineyard is the nation of Israel. The servants are the prophets, the Old Testament prophets. And there's two prophets that have just recently been in Israel when Jesus is there. One is John the Baptist, and Jesus is the prophet. So these are the prophets. And, of course, think about this. The son of the owner. Who could that be? In the parable, there's going to be the son. Who could the son of the owner be? Jesus Christ. He's the son of God. God's the owner. Vineyard is Israel. The farmers, are the tenants, are the Jewish religious leaders. They're supposed to produce fruit. The servants are the prophets. Old Testament, we already talked about that, but now the New Testament, which would be Jesus and John the Baptist. 
Now, first thing I want you to write today is this. God showed his goodness. God showed his goodness. Notice in the parable Jesus uses, he says, the landowner planted the vineyard. He put a wall around it. He dug wine press in it. He built a watchtower. So he did everything. God built a protecting wall. He pulled a watchtower there against thieves. And he says, when you produce fruit, I'm going to have everything for you there. So God gave these workers everything they needed to produce fruit. Now remember, we're a vineyard. God gave us everything we need to produce fruit, just like he did the nation of Israel. He didn't go, here's the land, see if you can do anything with it. No, he did everything. Very important you understand this. See, I'm a grandpa. I'm a young grandpa. (laughs) We raised our kids, certainly not perfectly, to understand the Bible. I told you last week, there's nothing more important than you know that your children love God and are going to heaven. So God doesn't put us on the earth and go, have a nice life. No, he's actively involved with us. You're going to see this. Now, as we go through, notice they have everything they need. Well, look at verse 34. When the harvest time approached, the parable, it's been about maybe a year, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. Well, the next thing you want to write is this. God expected fruit. God expected a good return. Now, do you think that expectation is fair? Let's let's bring it back out of the spiritual application for a moment. You have a vineyard in Brevard County. You rent it out to some workers. You take care of the land. You get rid of the rocks. You do all that stuff. You, you fix it. You put the vines in. You do whatever. You train all the workers. You go away for a year. Come back. You know when it's going to be there. You come back. Would, would it be fair of you, if you're the owner of a vineyard, to expect some grapes? Hello? Is any, anybody out there? Would it be fair? Would it be common sense? Sure. So when God says from you and I, well, I'm putting the Holy Spirit in you. I'm giving you the Bible. I'm giving you a mandate to go all the world and preach the gospel. He should expect a good return. It's a right thing. It's, he's not a hard God. It's just common sense. That's why the vineyard. Now, if you understand that, spiritually, Israel had been planted by God to produce a godly nation from which the Messiah would come. That spiritual fruit that God was looking for was obedience was thanksgiving, was love, worship, and service. Well, look at verse 35 and 36. When he sent these prophets, which were Old Testament prophets, the tenants, the Jewish leaders, seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other prophets or servants to them. More than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Next thing you want to write is this. Here we see a picture of God showing his patience and his tolerance. Over and over again, history in the Old Testament, you'll understand it, God sent Old Testament prophets to collect the the rent. But the Jewish leaders, the farmers, beat, stoned, or killed them. Now, is this historically accurate? Absolutely. Did the Jewish leaders 700 years after this know this was true? Absolutely. Notice the passage, 2 Chronicles 36. 
The Lord, the God of their ancestors, repeatedly sent his prophets, like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah. He repeatedly sent his prophets to warn them, for he had compassion on his people in the temple. He was warning Israel. He was saying to Israel, Israel, you're not doing what I ask you to do. Israel, you're worshiping pagan gods. So he would send a prophet like Isaiah or Jeremiah to go, whoa, whoa, time out. Come and worship me. Go on. But the people mocked these words and messengers of God and despised their words. That's the history. The whole Old Testament basically is God being patient and kind to the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel doing this. Forget it. We don't care about you. I mean, they would have never even existed except for the grace of God. Here's a perfect example of 2 Chronicles 24. Then the leaders plotted to kill Zechariah. And King Joash ordered that they stone him to death in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. So this is an accurate description of what was taking place. We know from Jewish history that many prophets in the Old Testament were killed, like Isaiah, like Jeremiah, like Zechariah. Well, in the New Testament, the mistreatment, would it continue? John the Baptist, 700 years later, what happens to him? He gets beheaded. Why? Much, largely because of the Jewish people. And days from now, would there be another prophet that the Jewish leaders would kill? His name would be Jesus. So the same history is repeating itself. And Jesus is trying to say, God's patient, but careful, careful. It's going to end. We'll look at verse 37. Last of all, in this parable, the owner sent his son to them. And the owner said this, they will respect my son. Now, what owner who would have a vineyard? And he sent all his managers to the vineyard. And as he sent them over the years to the vineyard, they all got killed. What kind of an owner would send his son to the vineyard? You know what kind of an owner? An owner that loved the people in the vineyard. He loved them with everlasting love. And in fact, this parable says he sent his son. That should remind you of the greatest proof of God's love for you and I this morning. You know the verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, when he sent his son to them, what's going to happen? You already know the story. Think about this before we read these verses. Vieira, Internet, Melbourne, listen, watch this. Jesus is telling the story to real people in real time. In a couple days, the son who has been sent to Israel is going to be murdered. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Today we learned from Pastor Mark how God's goodness to man has been shown time and time again throughout history. It can be easy sometimes to look at unfortunate situations in our lives and blame God for the bad, yet take credit for the good. We must remember that the Lord is on our side and the evidence of His goodness has never failed. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Do you believe that God has consistently shown His patience, tolerance, and goodness? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that God's goodness towards mankind should not be taken advantage of. Like any good businessman, when you invest into something, you expect a good return. While our Lord doesn't operate like the world, He does still expect to see fruit from our lives. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear